Chapter Four of *The Surgeon's Daughter* by Sir Walter Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Chapter the Fourth. Now hold thy tongue, Billy Bewick," he said, "of peaceful talking. Let me be. But if thou art a man, as I think thou art, come over the dike and fight with me. Border minstrelsy on the morning after this gay evening the two young men were laboring together in a plot of ground behind stephen law's land which the doctor had converted into a garden where he raised with a view to pharmacy as well as botany some rare plants which obtained the place from the vulgar the sounding name of the physic garden mr gray's pupils readily complied with his wishes that they would take some care of this favourite spot to which both contributed their labours after which hartley used to devote himself to the cultivation of the kitchen garden which he had raised into this respectability from a spot not excelling a common kale-yard while richard middlemass did his utmost to decorate with flowers and shrubs a sort of arbor usually called miss Menny's bower at present they were both in the botanic patch of the garden when dick middlemass asked hartley why he had left the ball so soon the evening before i should rather ask you said hartley what pleasure you felt in staying there i tell you dick it is a shabby low place this middlemass of ours in the smallest burg in england every decent freeholder would have been asked if the member gave a ball what hartley said his companion are you of all men a candidate for the honour of mixing with the first-born of the earth mercy on us how will canny northumberland throwing a true northern accent on the letter r acquit himself methinks i see thee in thy pea-green suit dancing a jig with the honourable miss matty macfudgeon while chiefs and thanes around laugh as they would do at a hog in armour you don't or perhaps you won't understand me said hartley i am not such a fool as to desire to be hail fellow well met with these fine folks i care as little for them as they do for me but as they do not choose to ask us to dance i don't see what business they have with our partners partners said you answered middlemass i don't think many is very often yours as often as i ask her answered hartley rather haughtily ay indeed i did not think that and hang me if i think so yet said middlemass with the same sarcastic tone i tell thee adam i will bet you a bowl of punch that miss gray will not dance with you the next time you ask her all i stipulate is to know the day i will lay no bets about miss gray said hartley her father is my master and i am obliged to him i think i should act very scurvily if i were to make her the subject of an idle debate betwixt you and me very right replied middlemass you should finish one quarrel before you begin another 
pray saddle your pony ride up to the gate of lupenheit castle and defy the baron to mortal combat for having presumed to touch the fair hand of many gray i wish you would leave miss gray's name out of the question and take your defiances to your fine folks in your own name and see what they will say to the surgeon's apprentice speak for yourself if you please mr adam hartley i was not born a clown like some folks and should care little if i saw it fit to talk to the best of them at the ordinary and make myself understood too very likely answered hartley losing patience you are one of themselves you know middlemass of that ilk you scoundrel said richard advancing on him in fury his taunting humour entirely changed into rage stand back said hartley or you will come by the worst if you will break rude jests you must put up with rough answers i will have satisfaction for this insult by heaven why so you shall if you insist on it said hartley but better i think to say no more about the matter we have both spoken what would have been better left unsaid i was in the wrong to say what i said to you although you did provoke me and now i have given you as much satisfaction as a reasonable man can ask sir repeated middlemass the satisfaction which i demand is that of a gentleman the doctor has a pair of pistols and a pair of mortars also which are heartily at your service gentlemen said mr gray coming forward from behind a yew hedge where he had listened to the whole or greater part of this dispute a fine story it would be of my apprentices shooting each other with my own pistols let me see either of you fit to treat a gunshot wound before you think of inflicting one go you are both very foolish boys and i cannot take it kind of either of you to bring the name of my daughter into such disputes as these hark ye lads ye both owe me i think some portion of respect and even of gratitude it will be a poor return if instead of living quietly with this poor motherless girl like brothers with a sister you should oblige me to increase my expense and abridge my comfort by sending my child from me for the few months that you are to remain here let me see you shake hands and let us have no more of this nonsense while their master spoke in this manner both the young men stood before him in the attitude of self-convicted criminals at the conclusion of his rebuke hartley turned frankly round and offered his hand to his companion who accepted it but after a moment's hesitation there was nothing farther passed on the subject but the lads never resumed the same sort of intimacy which had existed betwixt them in their earlier acquaintance on the contrary avoiding every connection not absolutely required by their situation and abridging as much as possible 
even their indispensable intercourse in professional matters they seemed as much estranged from each other as two persons residing in the same small house had the means of being as for minnie gray her father did not appear to entertain the least anxiety upon her account although from his frequent and almost daily absence from home she was exposed to constant intercourse with two handsome young men both it might be supposed ambitious of pleasing her more than most parents would have deemed entirely prudent nor was nurse jameson her menial situation and her excessive partiality for her foster son considered altogether such a matron as could afford her protection gideon however knew that his daughter possessed in its fullest extent the upright and pure integrity of his own character and that never father had less reason to apprehend that a daughter should deceive his confidence and justly secure of her principles he overlooked the danger to which he exposed her feelings and affections the intercourse betwixt many and the young man seemed now of a guarded kind on all sides their meeting was only at meals and miss gray was at pains perhaps by her father's recommendation to treat them with the same degree of attention this however was no easy matter for hartley became so retiring cold and formal that it was impossible for her to sustain any prolonged intercourse with him whereas middlemass perfectly at his ease sustained his part as formerly upon all occasions that occurred and without appearing to press his intimacy assiduously seemed nevertheless to retain the complete possession of it the time drew nigh at length when the young men freed from the engagements of their indentures must look to play their own independent part in the world mr gray informed richard middlemass that he had written pressingly upon the subject to moncada and that more than once but had not yet received an answer nor did he presume to offer his own advice until the pleasure of his grandfather should be known richard seemed to endure this suspense with more patience than the doctor thought belonged naturally to his character he asked no questions stated no conjectures showed no anxiety but seemed to await with patience the turn which events should take my young gentleman thought mr gray has either fixed on some course in his own mind or he is about to be more tractable than some points of his character have led me to expect in fact richard had made an experiment on this inflexible relative by sending mr moncada a letter full of duty and affection and gratitude desiring to be permitted to correspond with him in person and promising to be guided in every particular by his will the answer to this appeal was his own letter returned with a note from the bankers whose cover had been used saying that any future attempt to intrude on mr moncada would put a final period to their remittances 
while things were in this situation in stephen law's land adam hartley one evening contrary to his custom for several months sought a private interview with his fellow-apprentice he found him in the little arbour and could not omit observing that dick middlemass on his appearance shoved into his bosom a small packet as if afraid of its being seen and snatching up a hoe began to work with great devotion like one who wished to have it thought that his whole soul was in his occupation i wished to speak with you mr middlemass said hartley but i fear i interrupt you not in the least said the other laying down his hoe i was only scratching up the weeds which the late showers have made rush up so numerously i am at your service hartley proceeded to the arbour and seated himself richard imitated his example and seemed to wait for the proposed communication i have had an interesting communication with mr gray said hartley and there stopped like one who finds himself entering upon a difficult task i hope the explanation has been satisfactory said middlemass you shall judge dr gray was pleased to say something to me very civil about my proficiency in the duties of our profession and to my great astonishment asked me whether as he was now becoming old i had any particular objection to continue in my present situation but with some pecuniary advantages for two years longer at the end of which he promised to me that i should enter into partnership with him mr gray is an undoubted judge said middlemass what person will best suit him as a professional assistant the business may be worth two hundred pounds a year and an active assistant might go nigh to double it by riding strath devon and the cars no great subject for division after all mr hartley but continued hartley that is not all the doctor says he proposes in short if i can render myself agreeable in the course of these two years to miss many gray he proposes that when they terminate i should become his son as well as his partner as he spoke he kept his eye fixed on richard's face which was for a moment strongly agitated but instantly recovering he answered in a tone where pique and offended pride vainly endeavoured to disguise themselves under an affectation of indifference well master adam i cannot but wish you joy of the patriarchal arrangement you have served five years for a professional diploma a sort of leah that privilege of killing and curing now you begin a new course of servitude for a lovely rachel undoubtedly perhaps it is rude in me to ask but undoubtedly you have accepted so flattering an arrangement you cannot but recollect there was a condition annexed said hartley gravely that of rendering yourself acceptable to a girl you have known for so many years said middlemass with a half-suppressed sneer no great difficulty in that i should think for such a person as mr hartley with dr gray's favour to back him no 
no there should be no great obstacle there both you and i know the contrary mr middlemass said hartley very seriously i know how should i know anything more than yourself about the state of miss gray's inclinations said middlemass i am sure we have had equal access to know them perhaps so but some know better how to avail themselves of opportunities mr middlemass i have long suspected that you have had the inestimable advantages of possessing miss gray's affections and i interrupted middlemass you are jesting or you are jealous you do yourself less and me more than justice but the compliment is so great that i am obliged to you for the mistake that you may know answered hartley i do not speak either by guess or from what you call jealousy i tell you frankly that many gray herself told me the state of her affections i naturally communicated to her the discourse i had with her father i told her i was but too well convinced that at the present moment i did not possess that interest in her heart which alone might entitle me to request her acquiescence in the views which her father's goodness held out to me but i entreated her not at once to decide against me but give me an opportunity to make way in her affections if possible trusting that time and the services which i should render to her father might have an ultimate effect in my favour a most natural and modest request but what did the young lady say in reply she is a noble-hearted girl richard middlemass and for her frankness alone even without her beauty and her good sense deserves an emperor i cannot express the graceful modesty with which she told me that she knew too well the kindliness as she was pleased to call it of my heart to expose me to the protracted pain of an unrequited passion she candidly informed me that she had been long engaged to you in secret that you had exchanged portraits and though without her father's consent she would never become yours yet she felt it impossible that she should ever so far change her sentiments as to afford the most distant prospect of success to another upon my word said middlemass she has been extremely candid indeed and i am very much obliged to her and upon my honest word mr middlemass returned hartley you do miss gray the greatest injustice nay you are ungrateful to her if you are displeased at her making this declaration she loves you as a woman loves the first object of her affection she loves you better he stopped and middlemass completed the sentence better than i deserve perhaps faith it may well be so and i love her dearly in return but after all you know the secret was mine as well as hers and it would have been better that she had consulted me before making it public mr middlemass said hartley earnestly if the least of this feeling on your part arises from the apprehension that your secret is less safe because it is in my keeping i can assure you 
that such is my grateful sense of miss gray's goodness in communicating to save me pain an affair of such delicacy to herself and you that wild horses should tear me limb from limb before they forced a word of it from my lips nay nay my dear friend said middlemass with a frankness of manner indicating a cordiality that had not existed between them for some time you must allow me to be a little jealous in my turn your true lover cannot have a title to the name unless he be sometimes unreasonable and somehow it seems odd she should have chosen for a confidant one whom i have often thought a formidable rival and yet i am so far from being displeased that i do not know that the dear sensible girl could after all have made a better choice it is time that the foolish coldness between us should be ended as you must be sensible that its real cause lay in our rivalry i have much need of good advice and who can give it to me better than the old companion whose soundness of judgment i have always envied even when some injudicious friends have given me credit for quicker parts hartley accepted richard's proffered hand but without any of the buoyancy of spirit with which it was offered i do not intend he said to remain many days in this place perhaps not very many hours but if in the meanwhile i can benefit you by advice or otherwise you may fully command me it is the only mode in which i can be of service to many gray love my mistress love me a happy pendant to the old proverb love me love my dog well then for many gray's sake if not for dick middlemass's plague on that vulgar tell-tale name will you that are a stander-by tell us who are the unlucky players what you think of this game of ours how can you ask such a question when the field lies so fair before you i am sure that dr gray would retain you as his assistant upon the same terms which he proposed to me you are the better match in all worldly respects for his daughter having some capital to begin the world with all true but methinks mr gray has showed no great predilection for me in this matter if he has done injustice to your indisputable merit said hartley dryly the preference of his daughter has more than atoned for it unquestionably and dearly therefore do i love her otherwise adam i am not a person to grasp at the leavings of other people richard replied hartley that pride of yours if you do not check it will render you both ungrateful and miserable mr gray's ideas are most friendly he told me plainly that his choice of me as an assistant and as a member of his family had been a long time balanced by his early affection for you until he thought he had remarked in you a decisive discontent with such limited prospects as his offer contained and a desire to go abroad into the world and push as it is called your fortune 
he said that although it was very probable that you might love his daughter well enough to relinquish these ambitious ideas for her sake yet the demons of ambition and avarice would return after the exerciser love had exhausted the force of his spells and then he thought he would just have reason to be anxious for his daughter's happiness by my faith the worthy senior speaks scholarly and wisely answered richard i did not think he had been so clear-sighted to say the truth but for the beautiful many gray i should feel like a mill-horse walking my daily round in this dull country while other gay rovers are trying how the world will receive them for instance where do you yourself go a cousin of my mother's commands a ship in the company's service i intend to go with him as surgeon's mate if i like the sea service i will continue in it if not i will enter some other line this hartley said with a sigh to india answered richard happy dog to india you may well bear with equanimity all disappointments sustained on this side of the globe oh delhi oh golconda have your names no power to conjure down idle recollections india where gold is won by steel where a brave man cannot pitch his desire for fame and wealth so high that he may realize it if he have fortune to his friend is it possible that the bold adventurer can fix his thoughts on you and still be dejected at the thoughts that a bonny blue-eyed lass looked favourably on a less lucky fellow than himself can this be less lucky said hartley can you the accepted lover of many gray speak in that tone even though it be in jest nay adam said richard don't be angry with me because being thus far successful i rate my good fortune not quite so rapturously as perhaps you do who have missed the luck of it your philosophy should tell you that the object which we attain or are sure of attaining loses perhaps even by that very certainty a little of the extravagant and ideal value which attached to it while the object of feverish hopes and anguish fears but for all that i cannot live without my sweet many i would wed her to-morrow with all my soul without thinking a minute on the clog which so early a marriage would fashion on our heels but to spend two additional years in this infernal wilderness cruising after crowns and half-crowns when worse men are making lacs and crores of rupees it is a sad falling off adam counsel me my friend can you not suggest some mode of getting off from these two years of destined dullness not i replied hartley scarce repressing his displeasure and if i could induce dr gray to dispense with so reasonable a condition i should be very sorry to do so you are but twenty-one and if such a period of probation was in the doctor's prudence judged necessary for me who am full two years older i have no idea that he will dispense with it in yours 
perhaps not replied middlemass but do you not think that these two or call them three years of probation had better be spent in india where much may be done in a little while than here where nothing can be done save just enough to get salt to our broth or broth to our salt methinks i have a natural turn for india and so i ought my father was a soldier by the conjecture of all who saw him and gave me a love of the sword and an arm to use one my mother's father was a rich trafficker who loved wealth i warrant me and knew how to get it this petty two hundred a year with its miserable and precarious possibilities to be shared with the old gentleman sounds in the ears of one like me who have the world for the winning and a sword to cut my way through it like something little better than a decent kind of beggary many is in herself a gem a diamond i admit it but then one would not set such a precious jewel in lead or pauper but in pure gold ay and add a circlet of brilliants to set it off with be a good fellow adam and undertake the setting my project in proper colours before the doctor i am sure the wisest thing for him and many both is to permit me to spend this short time of probation in the land of cowries i am sure my heart will be there at any rate and while i am bleeding some bumpkin for an inflammation i shall be in fancy reliving some nabob or rajaput of his plethora of wealth come will you assist will you be auxiliary ten chances but you plead your own cause man for i may be brought up by a sabre or a bowstring before i make my pack up then your road to many will be free and open and as you will be possessed of the situation of comforter ex officio you may take her with the tear in her eye as old saws advise mr richard middlemass said hartley i wish it were possible for me to tell you in the few words which i intend to bestow on you whether i pity you or despise you the most heaven has placed happiness competence and content within your power and you are willing to cast them away to gratify ambition and avarice were i to give any advice on this subject either to dr gray or his daughter it would be to break of all connection with a man who however clever by nature may soon show himself a fool and however honestly brought up may also upon temptation prove himself a villain you may lay aside the sneer which is designed to be a sarcastic smile i will not attempt to do this because i am convinced that my advice would be of no use unless it could come unattended with suspicion of my motives i will hasten my departure from this house that we may not meet again and i will leave it to god almighty to protect honesty and innocence against the dangers which must attend vanity and folly so saying he turned contemptuously from the youthful votary of ambition and left the garden 
stop said middlemass struck with the picture which had been held up to his conscience stop adam hartley and i will confess to you but his words were uttered in a faint and hesitating manner and either never reached hartley's ear or failed in changing his purpose of departure when he was out of the garden middlemass began to recall his usual boldness of disposition had he stayed a moment longer he said i would have turned papist and made him my ghostly confessor the yeomanly churl i would have given something to know how he has got such a hank over me what are many gray's engagements to him she has given him his answer and what right has he to come betwixt her and me if old moncada had done a grandfather's duty and made suitable settlements on me this plan of marrying the sweet girl and settling here in her native place might have done well enough but to live the life of the poor drudge her father to be at the command and call of every boar for twenty miles round why the labours of a higgler who travels scores of miles to barter pins ribbons snuff and tobacco against the housewife's private stock of eggs mortkins and tallow is more profitable less laborious and faith i think equally respectable no no unless i can find wealth nearer home i will seek it where every one can have it for the gathering and so i will down to the swan inn and hold a final consultation with my friend End of chapter the fourth